Good morning. It is a pleasure to be here and worship with you. It's been quite some time since I've been able to worship in an actual church building. Oh, it's, it's what it feels like to be up in front of a pulpit. So my name is Chaplain Daniel Myers. I'm currently serving at Bronson Methodist Hospital, finishing my uh, first unit of CPE, Clinical Pastoral Education. And it has been a long time since I've preached, so have mercy. Uh, it is a pleasure to be with you, and it's a pleasure to hear echoes of my sermon already and some of the things that have come before. It might mean that my words are biblical or from the Holy Spirit, so I think that's a good sign. Would you be willing to pray with me in a, a prayer of a, inspiration before I go into this? Holy God, may the words that I speak from your scripture and from my writing not be my words, but be your words. May I continue to echo the words of your spirit throughout this time, and may those words echo on and on. All these things I ask in your name. Amen. Our scripture for today will be coming from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 1 through 10. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our holy heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened. Because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. So that this, what is mortal, may be swallowed up by life. Now, the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God who has given us his spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. This is the word of the Lord. I've had the privilege of serving as chaplain resident at Bronson Methodist Hospital the last five months. Bronson Hospital is a wonderful place, remarkable and filled with compassionate people, but no one goes to the hospital for fun. You go to the hospital because something's wrong. And the universal language of something is wrong is the groan. I had visited somebody and was sitting down and having a pleasant conversation 
chatting about her illness and recovery, when the sound came to us, loud, long, and clear, oh, our conversation paused. Her eyes widened. My pulse quickened. Some noise was coming down to us from the hallway, a long and painful groan. Then, when silence seemed to remain, and we just assumed someone was taking care of it, we tried to talk again, only to be interrupted. Ah! I excused myself and went to see that what was going on with this unseen distress. I spoke to a nurse and asked what was happening. The nurse explained that another patient was in significant pain, and they had already administered a new medicine and had to see how he reacted before they did anything different. His groaning was a call for help, for someone, anyone, to take away his pain. His groan said, I want the pain to end, and not soon, I want it to end now. The Corinthians in Paul's day also groaned for the end to come. When Paul arrived in Corinth, they saw the Spirit work mightily in him. Paul came with the Spirit and with power, healing the sick, casting out demons, proclaiming boldly the good news of salvation in Christ. In his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul had more demons to cast out, the demons of divisions and factionalism, of sexual immorality and hatred. The Corinthians wrote to Paul again with new questions, thornier and subtler. They have become more mature Christians in the time in between and had new questions to ask. Paul is answering their questions in this passage, and he has promised that a kingdom will arrive. But the Corinthians are wondering, will it arrive soon? We don't know what the Corinthians said specifically to Paul, but perhaps they wrote something like this. Brother Paul, we thank you for the promises you've delivered to us from God. We read your letters as they circulate, and they fill our minds with images of glorious future. Someday, Christ will come again. Someday, all sickness will be banished completely. The way you healed those among us. Someday, the promises sealed in our baptism, whether that's by you or by Apollo, and don't worry, we've learned that that's not that big of a deal, those promises will be fulfilled. We will have new, pure, imperishable bodies wiped clean from sin and the consequences of sin. We will not sin or suffer anymore. But brother Paul, when? When will Christ come and take this pain away? A mother of the congregation, Phyllis, has a fever and no prayer or petition will drive it out. We saw the Spirit so powerful in you when you came. And we know we received the Spirit 
that we accepted the gospel and were baptized. But how she groans and her face turns such a pale color. If the life of Christ is at work in her, why is it not swallowing up the death in her? Why is she dying? Are we doing something wrong? Like last time. I mean, when we took the Lord's Supper wrong. And is it right for her to groan so? There are some of us who, frankly, are wise in the matters of philosophy, and they say it is good to live and to die content with our lot. Unfazed, unchanged, when pain comes, we should just face it and not respond. That's the sign that we are people of virtue, according to our philosophers. And you told us before, we shouldn't groan against our government, and we accepted our lot when they came and mistreated us. And Brother James in Jerusalem wrote his letter to us and said, don't groan against your brothers or sisters. Be patient for the Lord's return. But Phyllis isn't groaning against the emperor or her family or her church. She is groaning over her body. Does Phyllis have a faith problem? One day, Phyllis will have a body like Christ and never have fever again. But meanwhile, does she need to try harder to believe and just smile through the pain? I think the Corinthians ask these questions because a man I visited in the hospital asked these questions. Let's call this man John. When I walked into John's room, the first impression I had was that John was a diminished man. He was a good deal shorter than me, and the way the skin hung on his stomach and arms implied that he had grown thin quite quickly recently. His beard was a mottled gray and black, and he had wrinkles despite not being that much older than me. John was fighting with colon cancer, and as he shook my hand, his colostomy bag was held in his other arm. But John did not ask me into this room for advice on weight loss or a diagnosis for his cancer. John pointed to the tattoos on his arm and asked if God was angry at him for getting those. John told me he hadn't lived a perfect life, not by any stretch. But his mom took him to church, and even though he hasn't been attending lately, he still believes in that God that he heard of so long ago. And he prays to that God. John prays to God and he asks him why he keeps getting sicker. Why the treatments aren't fixing this. Why he's still distant from his only daughter. But John felt like there was no answer. All John could hear was the sound of his own groans. John asked, am I praying wrong? Do I, 
need to say something special or do something different for God to answer me? Back in ancient times, Paul picks up his pen and answers the Corinthians. Paul's heart warms thinking of the families that he cared for gathering around Phyllis. He reminds them that the pale and feverish body before them was a temporary thing. It is worn and removed by the real Phyllis, just like you enter a tent at night and leave it in the morning. Phyllis will take off this frail body like a worn garment and receive a dazzling new garment from Christ. But Paul is no Greek philosopher. He's no Platonist. He does not view this physical body as something inherently evil. Far from it. Phyllis will not lose her physical body in the end. No. All the broken mortality that dwells within her, the sickness, the sin results that are there, that's what Phyllis will lose. She'll lose her hacking cough and trade it for a voice that can sing with the angels. God will take Phyllis's tired legs and give her thighs that will not grow weary, feet that will run and just don't stop. Paul concedes, it's hard to imagine these things will happen. We live by faith and not by sight. And if we live just by sight, all we see is a sad thing before us, a sad world around us, The powerful signs and miracles that Paul has worked will not always be there. And in the meanwhile time, Phyllis and many more will have reason to groan. But Paul can't stay on this topic too long without calling his readers to the Holy Spirit. Remember the Spirit that you've received Paul cries, it is the very Spirit of God who redeems you. And that Spirit would be enough of a gift. But in our generous God wants to give us even more. The Spirit is just a down payment, a first installment on the riches that God has planned for us. We receive the Spirit of God today, but God will give us so much more of himself in the days to come. Paul reaches the height of his message with a pastoral heart. He thinks of this sickly woman who groans for a better end. And with all the force of the Psalms and the prophets, Paul declares, Meanwhile we groan. We are not Stoics who must convince themselves of their indifference. No, we are children of a living God who loves us. This God put his spirit in our heart, and thus this God will hear even our wordless groans that come from that heart. God heard David when he groaned over the aching of his bones. God heard the prophet Elijah when by the river he said to God, I am ready to die. 
I cannot take anymore. God hears you, Corinthians. Thus, groan. You're allowed. You may groan to the God who hears you because this, this is not how it ends. Our death and our illness, they are temporary. They will not remain the pleasure of our God that will remain. I remained with John in his room that day and held his fears together with him. I comforted him and told him that prayer is just talking to God and he can say what he feels to God and not worry about misspeaking that there's no special ritual or special words that he needs to say for God to hear him. I honored his feelings, though, of being alone and unheard and asked John, have you told God that you feel this way? And so we prayed that prayer together. Speaking to God, God, John's inward groans. We told God that John hurts. We told God that John wants to stop hurting. And we told God and asked him, please come and be known to John today. And then we were silent. Almost in passing, John said, you know, I don't actually know if I've ever been baptized. I've always meant to be baptized. My mom had passed away recently and she never told me if I was. I really should do that soon. I told John that we had pastors here in the hospital and they'd be glad to do that for him if he'd like. John nodded and said, yeah, yeah, I'd like that. And so one of my friends the next day baptized John. His tradition required full immersion, but creative as he was, he and John agreed that holding his head under the faucet would count as close enough. As John groaned and his body failed him, John declared the salvation of God would never fail him. John accepted the visible sign that we Christians use, the water of baptism that says, God's invisible spirit is here in me, and God's spirit shall remain here. Against the great enemies of cancer and the pain of chemotherapy, this This was the courage that God gave John. The promises sealed in John's baptism in that hospital that morning are true for us as well. Christ has died. Christ has risen. And by his blood, we are risen with him. Christ has conquered death and wore the punishment of sin 
as a crown of thorns. As Christ cast off the burial garments that Easter, so too we will cast off our pain and groaning. Our bodies will be made new in his likeness. And so we live today to please him, not to earn this reward, but to praise him, to praise the God who so lavishly gives himself to us. This is the courage that God offers us. The kingdom of God is breaking through. In these days, we will see God's blessings, but we will also have reason to groan. Have courage, then, brothers and sisters. Dare to groan to the God who hears you, the God of Paul and John, of the Corinthians back then, and the church here today. And all those who groan will hear you. Amen. May you pray with me? A word of application. Holy God, we come before you and we recognize this world is not yet done. That you have not left us in a painful and groaning end. And so we ask you, Lord, please come. Please bring your peace upon us. Please bring us bodies that will never perish and make our hope a reality, even as you're doing it right now. Lord God, may we see your mercies anew every day and may the hope that we have for the future give us courage to live lives pleasing to you. All these things we ask in your name. Amen.